Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For people that have been listening to the show for a long time, I'm sure you're familiar with our website, jewinthecity.com, and that we exist all over social media. And we use our platforms on social media to reverse negative associations about religious Jews. And we use the internet, thank God, in a very positive way. And um, we share stories of inspiration. Um, you know, we have been able to connect with people from all over the world, literally, and been able to change their lives uh, for the better. Um, to help bring, you know, more God into their lives, to more meaning into their lives, more Judaism into their lives. All this is wonderful. Um, on the other side of the internet is obviously some really, really awful things. And that's something else that we touch on Jew in the City, talking about boundaries and that um, being part of the world doesn't mean using the world, you know, carte blanche, but being selective about media that we consume and how halacha is sensitive about um, even, you know, what our eyes see and, you know, ears hear and that sort of a thing, especially, you know, I happen to think that these concepts are very, um, you know, careful and um, thoughtful in terms of women and their needs in terms of not wanting their, the men in their lives to be looking and seeing certain things. So we've definitely dealt with um, the power of the internet for the good and for the bad. Um, and there's this really exciting tool that um, I noticed a while ago, you know, because um, as someone that uh, prepares uh, Torah thoughts, um, tries to find Torah ideas um, in rel you know, current events, um, sometimes you just need a text to go back to and say, wait, what did it say there in this Parsha? You know, what did it say there um, in this piece of Gemara? So there's this website called Safaria which um, I'm going to get clarified by the content engineer we're going to be speaking to with today. But they are putting a whole lot of Torah content online for free just for anyone and everyone to have access to our sacred texts. And I mean, it's really an incredible way to use the internet um, as a tool for the good. And so we have Shani Rosen here with us today from Israel, um, content engineer at Safaria, to talk about um, her work uh, both as a, a woman in STEM, an Orthodox woman in STEM, and also a special project that she's working on. Shani, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you. So I don't know if I did uh, justice to what Safaria is. So if you could give our listeners a little more detail of when it started, what texts are on already, what's being put on you know, now and in the future, like what, what is Safaria? Um, so Safaria is a, it's a Jewish library of living texts which um, it's alive in mainly in two ways. One is that it's on the internet. It continues to, um, it will continue hopefully um, a lot after we're, we're gone. And it, it's also renewing itself all the time by other people that could contribute their thoughts into the library in a special section of um, source sheets, create their Torah and could make it, make it public. Most of our library is... Um, it's, it's like a Beit Midrash. It's a library with many Jewish texts that um, we have over 3,000 indices of, of different books and they're interconnected. So we could have a Pasuk and on the Pasuk we have commentators on, on the Pasuk. Like I think over 37 commentators we have on Tanakh. Wow. Um, is that, that's what, that, that way you could you could just learn and it's, it, we have an application, we have web, so you could, it's in your pocket. It's like a whole Beit Midrash in your pocket to learn wherever you are and whatever you want. So when, do you know when the organization was founded? 
Um, I think what they started, it was before before my time in 2011 as a small, uh, just just this idea of putting Torah online in a connected way. And since uh, we grew, we grew a lot, put a lot more Torah on. And so it started first with like Tanakh and then it's grown into um, 3,000, you said 3,000 texts? I, yes, 3,000 indices, which could be, it could be, um, if if it was a book, let's say the Ramban, if at, in a book it's five five books, one for each book, by us it could be one book. So the counting is a is a little bit different because it's not books anymore. It's just it's just on the net. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but we have Tanakh, many many mefarshim on Tanakh. Um, we have different categories Talmud. We have the Shas in English also um, mm-hmm. from Koran. Um, we have uh, really all the base halacha, uh, all, all the base texts. I'm, it's <laughs> you're not you're talking to the engineer. I don't yeah. I don't uh, create the co- I mean create the content is right. definitely not us. You but. put it on. So that's a good segue now to talk about you as an engineer. So um, just to give our listeners sort of an insight, besides the fact that this is a tremendous resource for you know looking things up for preparing Divrei Tower, that sort of a thing. I saw a video recently online. Um, where it's talking about a new project that um, you're involved in, putting um, Nechama Leibowitz's, um, I guess, source sheets, Shiorim, on Safaria. And here I saw this, you know, Orthodox woman um, with a covered head, you know, um, working uh, in STEM, which is kind of cool, and we don't always see so much. Um, and now you're helping to uh, really preserve and, um, you know, m- uh, keep alive this uh, incredible um, Tanakh scholar, um, Nechama Leibowitz, who I was, uh, I merited to do some of her studies, um, when I was in seminary. So I guess if you could first, uh, give us a little background into yourself, um, first, you know, your Jewish background, educational, and then when, how, why you decided to get into engineering. Okay. So I was, uh, I was born into to an Orthodox family, so you could say that I, I got Torah with my mother's milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went through the track of a, of a religious, religious, I don't know, girl. Like Dati Lumi in, in Israel. In Israel, in Israel. I, I grew up in an in a, um, Orthodox neighborhood in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to elementary school and then high school, like a girl's high school. Mm-hmm. And then after high school, before I did um, service, <clears throat> I, I went to Midrasha, Bravinders, but mm-hmm. the Israeli program, which is called Bulia. Okay. Um, and, and then actually different than all my friends uh, back, at, back in the neighborhood and my, my siblings, I, instead of doing the national service, I, I went to the army. So and there cool. I was in the technolo- technological unit, mm-hmm. um, in, in the in the intelligence corps, in, in one of the high uh, technological units, and I learned some computers and engineering. I was always analytic and good in math and mm-hmm. physics, so that's that's where I think it it sparked for me even more. So and, now this is actually something I didn't even know about you. So what was that like for you to be a religious woman in sort of this high level of the, I'm like reading a book now about, um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm not sure how much is based on reality. Um, what's it called? Um, Gabriel alone series with, uh, you know, sort of in Israeli intelligence. So kind of the stuff is on my mind, but there are probably not so many religious women working so high in intelligence in Israel. 
there, there are there aren't so many religious women in the army at all. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it wasn't clear to me that this is the path I would go through. Most, mm -hmm. most um, Orthodox girls go to national to national service, which is a way to service the community. Um, but because I was interested in in STEM, like you said, I felt that that's in the in this opportunity, I could serve serve the best. So. Um, so that's where you got to start. And then afterwards you went um, to university and you did a major in engineering? Um, actually in mathematics. Okay. I majored in mathematics. And from mathematics, there's different ways you could go. Then I did also some uh, programming and computer science, got all the, the basics that you need for, for engineering. Yes. And was that- did you... It was an adventure. I, if we go back to, to my service in the IDF, it was definitely an adventure for, for a religious uh, girl, both in meeting the people, the other people that were with me in the unit. And um, like they had to make a new line of uniform for me because I wore long skirts and there weren't long skirts in the uniform, short skirts, but no long skirts. Hmm. So there, there were kind of things that we- I was with a group of another five girls that we went together, mm -hmm. um, another five religious girls. So we did kind of like make make a little bit of a of a mess to to bring our service <laughs> into into the way where it was supposed to be. Um, and so they made accommodations for you. Would you say that? Um, do you think you changed anyone's mind? Because I feel like in Israel, I mean, really all over the world, unfortunately, there's divisions between different groupings of Jews. But um, I think in Israel, it's sort of especially acute. So do you think that um, that your presence there kind of changed perceptions or stereotypes about what a Dati woman is like? For sure. I, th I think for sure. I, I know on personal uh, levels of meeting people, talking, communicating, and also as part of a movement of, of women, um, Orthodox women, that know that they want to serve in the place that they could serve the most. Hmm. Um, and in terms of your sort of, uh, you know, religious upbringing and your interest in sciences, did you feel like, um, you know, I think in general, girls don't go into these subjects, you know, just sort of without considering religion and there's, there's this push now to get girls into STEM, but that's only a little bit recent. So um, I'm not going to guess your age here, but you know, I would say the last like five or six years STEM for women has been popular, but you were already doing this a little bit before that. Yes. Yes. Yes, that is true. I, uh, I was always a little different. I mean, I guess um, finding myself in, in spaces with a lot of men, also the world of Torah that I interacts with my work very much at Safaria. Um, tends to be conveyed more to uh, masculine, though um, I think women have a lot to say, a lot sure. to say there. Um, so, from in my upbringing, my family was very open. My we we did always. In fact, there's something interesting in what you said about Orthodox women not going into STEM, because I think that part of the reason I had the confidence to do those was I grew up in a. I went only to girls' schools hmm. all until until I got to the army. In fact, I never sat with um, men in class. And the fact that we were only women, I think, led me to have the confidence to go into physics class and math class and, and see how I could shine. 
So that's that very is- cool. I mean, there's that's certainly, you know, although on one hand, we think like religious segregation seems extreme, then there's the other side of it, which studies show that women do better when they're in, you know, with other women in terms of learning. So um, that's great to see that there's here's a real life case where you felt more comfortable to kind of shine and not maybe feel like you had to compete with the, the louder male voices. Um, and so fine. So you studied math and then before Safaria, were you working in other engineering jobs or? Yeah, I had a, another job before it was in uh, cybersecurity, which is similar to the stuff that I did in the army after, after my degree, I went into cybersecurity. And when I heard about Safaria, I knew that Safaria is the place I'm supposed to be because it's something working in engineering, even having nice salaries, but it's something else to work in a place that has a vision and a vision that I believe in so much of having um, Torah available and accessible. Um, so, so that's what pulled you in. And, and how about your, um, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, in some ways um, there's obviously very obvious connections between our work at Jew in the city and Safari in that it's online Jewish content. Um, and you're saying it's making Jewish texts available and accessible. Um, what I'm thinking now as you're saying this is that I feel like our work by sort of reversing negative associations around religious Jews and sort of the tradition of Judaism and, and rituals is that we are trying to make it available by first having people get over their hangups. You know, people either um, were raised in very strict and, you know, non-loving negative um, environments. And we actually have a program at you in the city that's dealing with ex Hasidim, ex Haredim that were, you know, in these very insular and extreme places and never saw love. And then on the other side, we deal with people, um, sort of our original idea, people that read about these stories about, you know, religion being sort of a weapon and religion being this extremist thing. So um, I would say, actually, we're almost the precursor to Safaria. We want to try to help people get over whatever negative associations, associations they may have around sort of Jewish tradition being old and outdated and stuffy and, you know, misogynistic um, and make it sort of appealing. And then for you guys to now have these texts available for people to to delve into um, is, is so nice. It's kind of like the next level. Um, did you ever, I'm saying you had your sort of STEM side of things, your engineering interests. Was there ever a side, maybe when you were in Midrashah, that you thought maybe I would, you know, do something related to, to Jewish education or that was never a consideration? No, it was. It was. In a, a few places in my life, when I had to choose, I, I debated between this world and this world because <laughs> I really love learning Torah. And specifically, STEM is not so far from learning some aspects of Torah. Like Gemara has a lot of logic in it. It has a lot of similar things, different kinds of logics, but a lot of similar things to to math, for example, to the things that I learned in logic and, and mathematics and way patterns of thinking. So I, I definitely was drawn many times to, to the world of Torah. And I still have chavrotot. I still learn in my week um, Torah on, on the side and also in my job because I find myself looking at the text that I'm putting online, looking at the connections. I work my material. I'm an engineer, but my material is Torah. Hmm. So that's very amazing that both those worlds could come together for me in this job. Totally. So tell us about Nechama Leibovitz. Um, did you have a connection to her before this project came about? Is she someone that you studied? Um, do most people in Israel study her? Uh, I, I think she's well known. I definitely knew about her. I know about her as a, as a scholar, as a great teacher. Um, I can't say that 
methodically. I sat, I sat and like went over her sheets. Um, but since I worked on this project, I am planning to have a chavuta on Parashat Shavua. What she did is she sent sheets out for Parashat Shavua over 20 years. Uh, 20 years every week, she sent out these sheets that went over a specific subject in the Parashat Shavua, a few subjects, that, uh, topics, a few topics that she found interesting. And then she brings different commentators, mostly Rishonim, but not always also Achronim, it could be even Achroneh, Achronim, Buber, Moderni, Rashar Hirsch, but also Ramban, Rashi, Midrashim. And um, and she takes you through this, like, uh, lesson, asking with questions, via mm -hmm. questions. The sheets are sheets that she asks very difficult questions, mm -hmm. and when answering them, you're learning the topic. Very mm -hmm. interesting. And so, am, I, am I correct? that Did she, like, mark the sheets? Did people turn them in and she would grade them? Right, so it's it's different than it was different than what it, what we have now. She started in 1942 um, with an old type machine, and she would type them and then send them out to people that she had on a list in snail mail. And they would answer the questions and send them back to her, and then she she graded them and send it back to them. And she was tough. She was tough. Her <laughs> questions were hard, and her answers were you know she would say this is wrong, you didn't get it right, or or this is beautiful. But I think, you know, when I first learned about her in seminary, what I found to be so fascinating, my teacher explained, was that she um, went beyond just, even though she herself was, you know, maybe modern centrist orthodox, Dati Lumi, it seemed like she had a crossover, you know, even to the more Haredi circles. And she had men that were her students, which also is a little bit, um, I mean, 1942, am I correct on this? Do you have any uh, sort of knowledge about the history of, of her uh, students? Yeah, she's um, that there were men students, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think I think she left her her sheets. She she didn't have children, so she left um, part of her um, Yerusha. Her her um, like her legacy, her um, inheritance of, of the sheets. She left it to students, and those students were men. Definitely, she she was uh, gender blind in the fact that she let everybody be her student. You know, it comes to show that if you're have something to say then people won't look if you're a woman or a man at the end. If you're good enough, much a scholar enough, right. then, then you'll be heard. Well, I would say she was gender blind and then also her students were gender blind. I mean, you could also sort of going back to stereotypes or, you know, people's negative experiences, you could have the idea that, you know, there just wouldn't be respect for a female scholar. A, that she, you know, could be doing this at all. Um, and B, that, you know, men would give her a chance, but um, she seemed to really um, disprove that. So so now, I guess, get us into the nitty-gritty. So what are you doing with this project on Safaria? So um, there's not going to be like a correspondence course where you take her quiz and send it back, is there? Or it's just, you know? <laughs> um, well, she, she's not here anymore, yeah. so <laughs> that would be... We, we actually had a little bit of, uh, you know, sheets in Safaria. They're, they're made by people. And here we put down Necham Levovich, and we said, but She's not here, but then she made the sheets. So of course, even though she didn't create her account, it's mm. as if she created her account. We're taking her work the way she did it and putting it on our site for the accessibility of many people and the interlinking. My work was mainly the interlinking of her sheets. Mm -hmm. I didn't change the content, of course. Um, so if she brings Ramban, we want to we connected it 
to Ramban in our library. And when you read the part that she brought, you could see the whole the whole long Ramban, and you could see other Mefalshim and the same Pasuk, because it's interlinked into our, our library. Now, instead of, um, I guess, the way people would do it when they got her sheets, they would have to sit in a Beit Midrash, or if they had many books in their house. Um, so, you know, you open all the books, and you have a table full of books. By us, it's, you could just link and open another tab, and another tab, and another tab, and everything comes together. So, so, so I Sorry, what'd you say? My work was linking, was getting those those links correct. Mm -hmm. uh, that was part of the work. The other thing that we did by putting Nechama on, on Sepharia is, um, I didn't mention that before, but of course, a lot of the texts we have are translated. We have the Hebrew by next by alongside the English. So when we linked her sources to our library, we're actually translating them. Because if she brings Rashi and we have Rashi translated, now I said her Rashi is our Rashi, then it's you get the English just like that. Poof. That's the amazingness of uh, of engineering. What do you think Nakamalevus would have thought about Safaria? I think she would love it. <laughs> I think she was she would love it. She was bringing Torah to the to people, to students, and um, and this is that's what we are doing. We're bringing Torah to people. I mean, it's really, in a way, if you think about it, her, she almost had like a weekly blog post of like a sheer or, you know, source sheets. And then um, they were the comment, the commenters that came in and, you know, wrote their comments and then she looked them over. Uh, the idea of sort of disseminating uh, like a weekly idea to the masses and then hearing back from them and then, you know, sending it back to them. It's almost like the early stages of what we're doing now with social media and the internet. And it was all you know, this rudimentary snail mail thing, but she really was ahead of her time. I think very much. And when we put the her sheets on our source sheets tools, we, we learn things from her, like the option, she has questions, we have now an option to a place that you could write your own notes, which you could write your own answers to the questions. That's something we didn't have before. Through her pedagogy, we changed our tool. We learned from her. And have you considered, I mean, because I know when I saw this uh, clip of, you know, kind of this, again, just the sort of the symbolism of this, um, you know, visibly modestly dressed woman, you know, you know, in this engineering space, you know, handling this, um, you know, a female Jewish scholar that was in such high regard. Was I the first person that made you stop and sort of think about kind of the magnitude or sort of the specialness of kind of all this coinciding or is that something that you had considered before in a kind of how both of you are unusual in your gender in the community to you know be doing this and kind of together oh of course I thought of it <laughs> I mean there it women are rare in the in the world of Torah and the text that we use and and the things that that we put up and it was definitely a big honor for me to put a scholar like Nechama Leibovich as a scholar and then also as a woman um, into the library. She, she gives me um, inspiration, definitely. I also mentioned um, that my grandmother learned, did do her sheets. Oh. So it's, it's like this lineage of, you know, strong women that want to learn Torah and have their voice heard. Although, although my voice is heard through engineering, usually I'm not used to this. <laughs> And what about, and do you, are you in touch at all with um, any of her, I'm not sure what it would be, I guess, grandchildren or great-grandchildren, are any of them involved in the project or aware of the project? 
so um, we we got the right to put these sheets um, up on Safari. Safari is free and open to all, so everything is like free free rights. Mm -hmm. We sat with her um, niece. She um, Nechama language did not have children, but she had okay. a, a, gr a great family. Mm -hmm. And we sat with her and with also her niece's children, and it was it's a it's a great family. They live here in Jerusalem, so. And is is the entirety of her lessons up on Safari right now, or are you in the middle of the project right now? Like, sort of take us through the timeline. So most most of um, I guess all of the sheets are up. There was one year that she wrote answers for that year, just one, 1961. She put on answers. We didn't put the answers up yet, but all, all the sheets are up. Some of them are translated. Also, the ones that are not translated are linked in a way that her what she didn't translate what she her questions are not translated but the text that she used and that you would need to go through to learn to, to manage to answer the questions are translated just by means of the database being uh, a bilingual database and so yeah there's um and how do you find it? You go safaria.org and then is there like a search button or a bar to look up her name or how, how would someone listening now look look up these um these you go to safaria. You go to safaria.org and you could put slash nechama. Just type in nechama, N-E-C-H-A-M-A, -A, um, or just in the search bar, write nechama Leibovich. There's, yeah, just come up to Safaria, check it out. And one final question, because we only have a couple minutes left now. Um, do you ever get to hear from the people that come to your site? I know you have a lot of uh, site traffic. But the, sort of the difficult thing about the internet is you don't always get feedback. So um, do you have methods for uh, hearing from your users? Yes, of course. Also, if people have um, like things to, to tell us, they could always message hello at Safaria. That's, um, that's where we message. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. Uh, yeah, there's, there's many ways to, to communicate with us and... And, and what kind of feedback? Have you heard feedback about this specific project? Yes, yes. Um, people were very excited because it's an exciting project, definitely. Okay, amazing. Well, um, we wish you uh, much Hatzlacha um, to, to finish this up and um, to continue uh, putting uh, incredible uh, Torah texts online so uh, they can be available to all. Um, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.